Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived in another city around the world. And this show is brought to you by Anytime Soccer Training. Anytime Soccer Training takes the guesswork out of in-home training and makes it super easy for coaches to help their players get better outside of team training. Every video is 100% follow along. There are over 5,000 training videos that cover every major skill area. And the best part is it's free to join and less than $5 per player for our teams per year. So check out anytime-soccer.com to learn more about what we do. And let's get on to the show. Now, hopefully this will be a very quick show. And this show falls squarely into the opinion show. And not only is this an opinion, it's a very nuanced point that may or may not impact what you are doing on the ground. This is a more of a theoretical conversation that uh, is something that I wanted to get on the airwaves because I have this conversation oftentimes in our various Facebook groups. And if you're not a member of the Anytime Soccer Training Facebook group, I encourage you to join. Just search for Anytime Soccer Training, parents and players, and you can join. But I have this conversation often in the Facebook groups. And for many reasons, the way I, my comments are not, I don't feel like they're really understood because number one, this is a very nuanced point. And number two, you know, in chat tone just never comes off right. And then number three, uh, I don't really provide enough context for the reader to really understand um, what I'm trying to say. And that's assuming they're reading it. And even if I do provide the context, more than likely they're not gonna agree with what I'm saying because probably whatever they're doing is working, which is actually part of my point, which is keep doing what you're doing if what you're doing is working. So what I thought is, you know what, let me hop on and try to do a quick podcast today. And I'm rushing to do this. So sorry with the groggy voice, because I'm just getting up. I'm rushing to do this because I want to share with a couple of potential guests who will come on and talk to me about this particular subject. And I don't want to monopolize their time with my opinions. So I thought I would drop them here so that then they can hear them and then address, um, address my opinions and give their own insight. And that is an open invitation to anyone who wants to come on the show and have these discussions. So I want to begin by reminding you guys of a podcast I did a couple of days ago called In Search of Unicorns. And that was the first installment of a series of unicorns that I'm going to drop. And the thesis of that show was effectively, look, you rarely see a situation where someone is spending hours and hours and hours on their craft but doing something in such a way that uh, that's wrong, that they're doing some wrong technique or they're doing something wrong, not taking advantage of the readily available information to fix it. They're just doing this thing wrong and wrong and wrong. And as a result, you can see that they are behind the other children when they play games. So I'm out here hours and hours on my craft. I show up at the game, I'm not able to execute and it's because I'm whatever that thing I'm doing hours and hours and hours, I'm doing it wrong. This does not, I haven't, I call it a unicorn because I'm not saying it's not, that it never happens ever. I just have never experienced it. What I tend to experience 99.999% um, um, of the time is the child 
or adult is not doing enough of anything, right? And I use myself as an example. My problem is not that I'm going to the gym every day, but I'm using the barbells instead of the um, bench press. My problem is I'm not going to the gym enough at all. And so that was in search of unicorn. Well, this is sort of a follow-up show to that, but it's also a follow-up show to some other con concepts that I've dropped that are very nuanced. And so because they're nuanced, what I wanna do now is drop a few assumptions and then get to my um, conclusion. And I think you need to understand these assumptions in order to really appreciate what I'm trying to say or further discredit what I'm trying to say. So here we go. So in the area of improving neuroplasticity, skill acquisition is what we call, commonly call it. I believe you can improve skill, you can improve neuroplasticity um, independent of any uh, game or application context. So let me say that again, you can improve skill acquisition, you can become more skillful independently of, of a game or application context. And by doing that, um, you will perform better when that during the game or application context when that skill is needed. That's a fancy way of saying, I can have my son go outside and do toe taps for 20, 20 seconds, um, five, five minutes a day. And he's gonna, and that's gonna help him uh, become a better soccer player, having given him no instructions whatsoever. And I'm using toe taps as an extreme example, some battery of ball mastery skills. And I believe that because the application in the, in the game context will require those skills and it will be easier for my child to recall them. Now, I also believe that you can increase neuroplasticity. You can acquire skill in a game or application context, independent of any formal um, deliberate practice or, or training. So that means is, that's a fancy way of saying, if you go out and play every day, you're gonna be a better soccer player. If you read every day, you're gonna be more literate. And you don't, and if you read every day without having taken an English class, you'll eventually get there. If you play every day, you'll eventually get there as well in terms of acquiring skill. However, I believe that the combination of the two is, are, is more ideal, more optimal for accelerated development and accelerated performance. Now, I don't have a strong view on the balance there. Like, you know, you have a pie chart of 100%. I don't know what percentage needs to be what. I'm not gonna have that argument. I think that argument depends a lot on your personal situation and the child and your environment and all this other stuff. But if you can do both, that's better than doing one or the other. All right. But I don't think you can get to mastery simply by playing, right? So you can't 1v1 your way to technical mastery in the way that I have seen technical mastery. I could be wrong. And I don't think you can uh, ball master yourself to technical mastery without any application of, of that skill. All right. The next thing where we, um, and I kind of said this, but I want to be clear. I don't think either one is intrinsically better, right? So I don't think deliberate practice, um, working on these skills in the backyard is intrinsically better than applying, uh, than working on those skills in an application or game-like setting. And vice versa, I don't believe that some kind of game-like setting or application setting is intrinsically better. Again, what make, what's intrinsically better to me is you doing all the above and then tailoring your, your approach to the individual uh, and the time and the constraints and whatever else you got going on. 
And sorry if I'm groggy, but I just got up. I'm trying to get this one out to the folks who um, who may join us on the show to get their opinions. I'm going to try to speed it up. Now I am. I'm going to read some notes. So just give me a second. So the next point, and I talked about sort of the layers of technical, the categories of technical skill in another podcast. But the next point, and this is again very nuanced. Introducing an element to an unopposed technical drill um, is not a substitute for the application or game-like environment that we tend to think of. And I've I've defined game-like in another podcast. I might do. I might reel off a couple of them here, but. This is important to understand, especially for our parent trainers. If someone comes to you and says, um, I do when the way I do drills are I try to make my drills more game-like or game representative representative, then for me, there's a there's some categories, there's some components that need to be in place. And if they're not in place, then I know, at least I believe that person is mis. Um, is not understanding, is misdiagnosing what they're doing. So an example would be if I have a sensor and I and it has red and blue and yellow and whatever, and I'm doing some kind of midfield passing drill and, and the midfielder has to look to the left for the yellow and the right and blah, blah, blah. That obviously has benefits. I often say on Facebook, you know, 99% of the things you do, I mean, they're going to benefit the player, which doesn't come off well, but there are really not a lot of major mistakes you can make. So there has some benefit there, but you're just using that, those artificial instruments, sorry, you're using those instruments um, just to make an unopposed drill more challenging or more engaging or adding variation to it, but that doesn't translate to on-field performance in and of itself in the way that people tend to think. That's my opinion. I know it's controversial. And we're gonna keep going. Say, oh, oh, let me give another one. Like dribbling with your head down or dribbling with your head up or forcing the child to dribble with their head up. Again, that doesn't translate to vision in the way that I've defined vision in previous podcasts. All right. Then I'm just reading my notes, hold on. So what that means then is that introducing those elements don't increase, don't improve better habits. And introducing those elements alone don't improve better habits or make better habits. And, and, and on the converse, they don't really um, promote bad habits in the way that people think. So in other words, if I do a line cone drill and my older son is looking down a lot of times as he maneuvers through the cones, that does not increase his, uh, a bad habit of him looking down in the games. And if I were to yell at him, hey, keep your head up, keep your head up, keep your head up. That doesn't, that doesn't translate into the gains of him dribbling with his head up in the way that we would think. 
And if I use an aid, like throw tennis balls at him, that forces him to look at, keep his head up. But that, that stimuli is not going to translate into the game in the way that game performance in the way that we, we might think. And I'm just going to add an asterisk saying that stimuli alone. Okay. Now, I talked about game light. Their component um, of, of, of a game that needs to be in, in place to give a similar context that the player will have in the game. So their components, um, and I think I'll just share this podcast because I can't even remember all of them off the top of my head, but their components that need to be in place that makes the drill that you're doing um, similar to the game and gives it that context. So there has to be some objective. There has to be some, um, some, uh, uh, some opposition. There has to be some kind of reward. There has to be a choice, a decision has to be in place. Like these are things that have to be in place in order for a drill to really become game-like. Which then brings me to the next point, which is when we start talking about habit formation, and I just Googled this, this is how I felt intuitively, but I Googled it to make sure I was um, on the same page with Mr. Google. A habit, and I'm just gonna read habit, I, I, I Googled habit formation theory. A habit is formed when behavior is repeatedly performed in a consistent context. This is extremely important, a consistent context. After many repetitions, mental representations of habitual action are formed that are automatically activated by context cues, prompts, or events in the environment that serve to trigger the behavior or action. So I Googled it because I just wanted to test check myself and I can't, I, you know, maybe I'm just being agreeable because it's, you know, my disposition, because this is obviously my opinion, but I could not have said it better. You, habit formation, to, to, to generate habit formation in the way that we understand it when we see that child out there playing the game is forged in a consistent, context in a context that's similar to what we see that child doing in the game. Therefore, um, if you don't have those components that are that, that make that training environment consistent to what we see in the game, if you don't have those components, it's very difficult to create habit formation in the way it's understood. What this means is, and this is very nuanced, I'm trying to be trying to explain it, be measured. Even when you're doing the wrong, what is perceived to be the wrong thing. So there was a Facebook post where a guy, a kid was taking a first, first touch towards a wall and towards a, uh, a medicine ball that was used as a prompt as a defender. Even when the child is taking the first touch towards the quote unquote medicine ball that's there as a defender, it's not gonna build a bad habit of him taking a ball into pressure because he doesn't have, because he's not doing that in the context that's needed in order to form this habit. 
and vice versa if he was doing it correctly, taking the ball in, in away from what is perceived to be pressure. So the medicine ball is there on his, say, his left side. He takes the ball to his right and passes it. He can do that until he's blue in the face. It's not going to form the habit that he needs in the game environment without performing that skill in a, in, in a consistent in a context that's consistent to the application of that skill. I hope that makes sense. So me throwing tennis balls at my son when he's dribbling and forcing him to look up because he has to see the tennis ball, uh, that is not, there's nobody throwing anything at you in the game. So therefore it just doesn't translate the same way. There needs to be a decision there because there's sometimes when he needs to put his head down and plow through. And I'm using this as an example. There needs to be a reward for achieving this thing. And in order to get the reward, there needs to be some objective. There needs to be some opposition that punishes him for not doing that thing. Now, here's the good news. Here's the great news. Play, small-sided games, free play, have a magical way of sorting this stuff out. You ain't really got to do a lot. It has a magical way of sorting this stuff out. And then in addition to that, if you're in a game context that is a natural game context and you're a coach and you're able to pause and say, hey, um, guys, you know, let's pause it here and let's, let's use this concept context so that I can then provide some instruction. That goes a long way as well. Um, but my admonishment to my parent trainers and I have two admonishments. Be careful when someone says, oh, my training is game-like and, and, and in the same token, devalues what you're doing. And I don't wanna be argumentative, but I, wanna, I want you to understand that what you're doing in the backyard has value and what they're doing uh, also has value. And the combination is more valuable than independently. And also be careful when people um, throw out the, the bad habit um, thing to you as a reason for you not to get in the backyard and work with your child. Now, I actually don't think that's what people mean, but this could be a logical interpretation. So for example, if, uh, if I wanna you know, change my oil and then someone says, you can change your oil, but just be careful not to tear up your radiator. Well, the implication is going down this road of changing your own oil has a lot of risk. And I'm saying, those risks are not as great as uh, are purported because habit formation doesn't work that way. Now, again, going back to unicorns, I suppose there's a scenario where someone has spent thousands, and, um, I'm sorry, uh, hours and hours, hundreds and hundreds of hours, thousands and thousands of reps, over an extended period of time doing something the wrong way and with instruction to do it that way and then a feedback loop that's rewarding them doing it. I guess you could conjure up a scenario where that is the case and maybe that creeps in a little bit into the game. But I, again, going back to unicorns, I think that's rare. So in conclusion, I think what we often see in the game situations, what I, the way I interpret it is, not necessarily bad habits. I interpret it as uh, the issues I see is number one, a lack of strength in neuroplasticity, which is a lack of skill. And then number two, a lack of 
instruction, right? So it's not that they have their the kids are doing quote unquote bad habits. They don't have the skill to in many cases they know what to do, they don't have the skill to execute. And in many cases, they just have not received the instructions and the repetitions in that consistent game context uh, that allows them to execute in the game. So it's not like, oh man, they have the skill and they see the defender and they take their first touch towards the defender. It's it's they don't have the skill and they've never been taught to receive the ball, let the ball cross their body and go to the other side of the field. And I know that's complicated. I'm actually thinking through it. I know that's not so succinct and I don't have a strong view on the diagnosis of the problem, but I don't think the, the diagnosis of the problem is I was practicing all these bad habits in the backyard or I went to this private trainer and they were training me and teaching me all this wrong stuff. And now I'm trying to do this wrong stuff in the games. I guess I'm basically saying, I think it's a little bit more complicated than that because the brain doesn't, doesn't work that way. And the re, one, of the reason why, one of the reasons why the brain doesn't work that way is because the brain sees stimuli, the brain sees cues. And if you don't have that, if you're not training with that same stimuli and those same cues, it's hard for the brain to then take other cues that you consider to be bad habits and then put them in the game context with different cues and try to do that same bad habit. And I don't know if this made any sense, but here's the good news. Just play a lot, train, you know, work on your individual skills, get some, find a club or a coach or a trainer that can give you some decent instruction in addition to what you guys are doing at home and you're gonna be fine. This is a nuanced point that says, I don't think habit formation is as simple as this linear, you practice it at this training facility and now you can apply it to the game. I don't think it works so neatly like that. And so I'm very hesitant to throw out the, you're forming bad habits. Um, very hesitant to throw that out there because I just don't think it works so neatly like that. And I don't, I would love for a brain scientist or someone in the know to come on and really add some teeth to this, but this is the best that I can do. And I hope people will listen to this, will listen to this and come on to the show and share their opinions. All right, guys, this is Neil Crawford. Check out anytime-soccer.com to learn more about what we do and let's get better together.